Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? I'm doing great, pal. How about yourself? Uh, I'm I'm fantastic. I have no complaints. We had a uh, a wonderful week of excitement in the in the markets, and uh, we've made it to another weekend. You and me, pal. Unbelievable. Lots to talk about. Crypto carnage. The stock market was down. Interest rates are all over the place. We got a great for- show for you tonight, and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Crip- crypto carnage. Did did you trademark that? <laughs> or, I don't need or, to. Okay. I don't need to. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, if <laughs> I'm sure people are sitting at home, listening. All that needs. All we need to to put a smile on MB's face is to wipe off 1.5 trillion in asset value. <laughs> hey, listen, if that's what it takes, keep it coming. And, um, I, and it was done in spectacular fashion. Oh um, my God. Yeah. Oh. It wasn't just like a sell down. It was the collapse of the, the quote unquote stable coin. Um, and, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. We have Terra and Luna, and now we're starting to sniff around tether. So, um, you know, I'm very sensitive. You know me. I'm a very sensitive guy, right? I yes. take so many things delicate, and <laughs> and uh, so I'm concerned that people just view me as a you know a, a flat earther, a hater, um, old guy. And by the way, guilty. Okay, <laughs> guilty is charged. Okay. okay. But um, I got on the uh, I got on the the uh, Wahoo bike mm-hmm. uh, upstairs this morning, thinking mm-hmm. I could start to work my way back, and um, <clears throat> how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, as one of our listeners noticed, um, several months back, I went on like a three-hour bike ride, and I just had this incredible thought process, and the next. Uh, podcast you and I did where I think we really nailed it 
and someone suggested I continue at those three hour bike rides. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is, uh, I don't see a lot of those in my future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is I, I don't need them. Cause I, I, I had a lot of thinking going on up there because normally there's not a lot going on between these ears. Right. Right. So right. just blank space. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I wanted to address this notion of, uh, first of all, uh, don't let me forget. I want to talk about panic because that's a a word I've heard a few times lately. And Mm -hmm. I'd like to give a little pushback on that, Okay, but, uh, to the flat earther. So, uh, how does that relate to the Bitcoin type stuff? Okay. So keep in mind, um, not long after I was born, they developed the invention of the telephone. Do you remember that? (laughs) Okay, that's a little silly. You can just tell I'm in a good mood. Um, um, So as we have discussed, when I started, a lot of the products that were used in the financial markets, many were already around. You had stocks, you had bonds, you had options. But through my tenure, many were created, some good, some bad. But in most instances, people didn't realize the full effect these instruments would have until they were stressed. Can you give an example of a bad one? Well, um, I can give you an example of a bad one. But let me, before we start, give you an example of sort of a static one. Because just just to prove a point. Okay. So, um, and our good friend... Uh, Anthony Peters in London uh, will be amongst the handful of people who will understand this right away. By the way, I took the liberty of attaching one of his uh, letters to our uh, website. And anyone um, who's interested in subscribing, they send a million dollars in crypto to us. And then, no, I'm kidding. Um, In any event, so for many, many years in the market and us at Greenwich Capital, we would do a, a, a trade on the relative value between a British government bond mm-hmm. and a British interest rate swap. Okay. Both of which, I mean, British bonds have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. and Swaps have been around for, let's say, 30 years, something like that. Okay. And so based on assumptions you make, you may decide the spread is too narrow, which would mean you would buy the the British bond and sell or pay on a swap. And if you thought the spread was too wide, you would short the uh, British government bond and or the gilt, as it was known, and you would buy or receive a interest rate swap. So at some point, I want to say it was around the time of long-term capital management, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But regardless, I think the spread between the swap and the uh, guilt had gotten to be, in our opinion, very, very wide. And we thought that would narrow, which would mean we should short the guilt and receive on the swap. And so we did that, and we did it in a round number, meaning let's say it was 100 million 
pounds worth of gilts versus a weighted amount of the swap we would receive. And every day, at the end of the day, I would get a report and it would show not just the, the profit and loss for the day, it would show the weighting. So because these things have different coupons, different maturities, they don't necessarily trade one for one. Okay. In fact, it's unusual for them to trade one for one. And by the way, when you're a denizen of the bond market, this is, you know, Gerber baby food, right? I mean, they, 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 they teach you that before they let you run amok on the trading floor, right? So um, generally, uh, at this point in my career, we had so many positions. Um, what I would do would, would be, uh, I made a, a pronouncement generally that I checked every position every day. And, and that's true. But depending on the type of the position and the, how dynamic it was, it didn't mean I spent the same amount of time. Right. Some, yep. Okay. So one of the quick and dirty things I would do, because we had dozens, if not hundreds of positions, forget about line items, because one position could have 50 line items. Mm -hmm. I would be observing the markets. And in my mind, I would have an expectation of how each of these trades should do. And then at the end of the day, when we get the P&L, if the meaning profit and loss, if the P&L met my general expectation, that was probably good enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to go spend my time where there's a fire and try and put the fire out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for a long period of time, this trade was sort of behaving as I expected it. The P&L was within normal parameters, uh, a lot else going on to distract me. But at one point, I did a deep dive on it, and I realized that um, the interest rates had moved a fair amount. And uh, even though the P&L was behaving somewhat normally, in aggregate, it had amounted to be off from what I had expected. So uh, herein begins the deep dive, right? And I'm sure Anthony's jumping up and down already saying, you fool, I know the answer. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, just for the benefit of everyone else, part of the way you calculate this, quote, hedge ratio is using this concept called yield to maturity. And is our friend and now somewhat competitor, Kevin Muir, recently wrote a piece um, and that competitor, I'm just being silly. He talked about how his interest rates change and coupons get reinvested. Anyway, there's me, uh, Robbie Wall, Fish Fan Snowboard Bud, a uh, couple of super quants. We're all scratching our head. And, you know, victory has many fathers. So I'm going to claim that I kind of wondered you think the yield's being calculated the same way? And uh, one of the guys uh, who I don't have permission to use his name, one of, the, one of the analysts, said, you know, oddly enough, no. When you calculate a government bond, the yield to maturity 
everyone be prepared to hit the rewind 30 second button. You'll know it. It's next to the fast forward 30 second <laughs> button you use to get through the fish show. Yeah, um, no. The yield to maturity on a bond assumes you take your uh, interest payments and you reinvest them at the yield you buy the bond at. Uh, And and so if you're an accountant, you would say the coupons get reinvested at the internal rate of return of the bond. Um, By the way, remember when I was going to teach you about bonds and I I gave you one of these HP 12 C's, which I've never seen. Yeah. Well, if you're not going to use it, fucking give it back. Um, Anyway, you, you can do that calculate that on this thing, right? It's not Mm -hmm. very complicated. But as it turns out, unbeknownst to old chestnut, a swap yield assumes the dividend coupon interest rate, whatever you want to call it, is reinvested along the swap curve. So you have two different ways of calculating the yield to maturity. One, first of all, they're both wrong. Okay, because there's well, they're assumptions. Yep. yep. So are, are they right? Are they wrong? Yes, uh, they're built on assumptions. So mm-hmm, there you mm-hmm. go. But over a longer period of time, I didn't realize that. Now this is at least 1995. I've been trading for uh, 13 years, 15 years professionally, and I never realized that those two yield. Okay. So why did I just bore you with 13 minutes of explaining an arcane trade that no one does anymore? The reason is this, okay? You're talking about, in the world of global finance, first of all, a a guilt, a bond, doesn't get any simpler than that, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. a treasury bill, but even that can confuse people, okay? Mm -hmm. The second thing was a new product, which by this time, was already 20 years old, an interest rate swap, right? Yep, yep. And yet, you know, shame on me. But at this point, our portfolios, I don't even know, 20 billion, 30 billion. We've got 10,000 positions. And I'm finally noticing, because we had a position on for a long period of time, something was out of whack. So ergo, old chestnut learned something. Okay. Now, why did I just bore you? Now we're into 14 minutes of boredom. The reason is because when I think of fucknut laser eyes telling me about Bitcoin and how nothing can go wrong, and then we have Tether where, oh, yeah, it's safe. Trust me. Right. Um, and then uh, what was the one that blew up this week? Terra. Terra, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens is it's all shits and giggles till you stress test it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, look, you can continue to think of me what you will, but uh, I've got half a dozen things here I wrote down which are similar to this guilt versus interest rate swap thing that I learned the hard way. Wow. Right. And so let me hear him. Let me hear him. What do you got? Okay. Well, uh, let's see. For instance, uh, you already know that option modeling is wrong, right? (laughs) One of my favorites. (laughs) Okay. Can we just skip that one without explanation? (laughs) Okay. So 
for instance, when you short a stock, you go and you borrow it. So you borrow the stock from somebody. He gives it to you from an, a holder. I deliver the stock to the buyer. The buyer gives me the cash. Well, I'm entitled to that cash, and I should receive interest on it. Yeah. None of you none of guys are getting paid any interest on it, nor are, are the stocks that you have sitting with your custodian who's making money off of you, yep. giving you any of the love, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, so that's another thing. For instance, uh, not that I condone this under virtually any circumstance, okay? But look, if you're going to shoot heroin, go to the pharmacy and get the clean needle, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. If you short an option and it goes against you, okay, what they do is they come and they take the cash out of your account. No, you're allowed to post collateral. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? So if you have collateral, you can put it up against the margin that you're out on your option mm -hmm. and you can earn the interest on it. Mm -hmm. But but no, no, they're okay. And I mean, maybe there's more of these things, but you get what I'm getting at, right? And so let's fast forward it to the roaring you know, 19s. Yeah, yeah. And you got some clown who hit one stock right, telling everyone they don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all these fucking assumptions. So um, I'm going to try and uh, bring up a page without blowing this fucking podcast up. <laughs> we'll see if I can do it. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, it's the one about the, uh, the, the, um, the tether. Oh yeah. The, okay. So in in their white paper, do you mm -hmm. have it? Do you want to read it? it? Yeah. Give me one. No, you've got it. If you've okay. got it, read it. Yeah. So this is in there, and I got this off of that that the den of iniquity Twitter. It's the best. Um, let's see. This is the tether white paper. We understand that our implementation doesn't immediately create a fully trustless crypto system, mainly because users must trust Tether Limited and our corresponding legacy banking institution who? to be. Who? You're, they're who? They're, they're who? Corresponding, exactly, legacy banking institution. Okay. To be the custodian of reserve assets. However, Almost all exchanges and wallets are subject to the same weaknesses. So that's when you got drunk and smashed the car and you came home and said, but my, everyone else is doing it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But here's, here's the, um, here's, tell them the best part. Okay. The best part is, you see what I'm getting to, right? Oh, yeah. Go I ahead. love it. Yeah. Users of these services already subject are already subject to these risks. Here is a summary of the weaknesses in our approach. All right. Wait for it. We could go bankrupt. Okay. It's fine. Our bank could go insolvent. Uh, which bank? You know, <laughs> our bank could freeze or confiscate the funds. Or <laughs> tell them the best part. <laughs> we could abscond with the reserve funds. 
we could abscond with the reserve funds. And like I told Kevin Muir, most of the people involved in cryptocurrency don't understand the word abscond. So that means steal. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand the word, but they're in the process. <laughs> <laughs> they're in a learning situation. So uh, so what did you say? Terra? Terra, uh, Luna. Was yep, a stable Terra, coin? Yep, okay. Yep. And Luna. And yep. uh, Luna is the one that Novo had tattooed to his incredible <laughs> yeah yeah you can't so, make it up I, I anyway um am i enjoying watching rome burn yeah uh do i feel bad for the stupid person who got sucked into the thing because you know he he's got an iq of less than 110 yeah but, can i ha- can i hammer that point okay by the way because I've seen pushback about stop grave dancing. All right. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> because, and I don't want to hear, and I don't want to hear about defrauded investors. All right. Defrauded investor. Okay. What, what comes to mind with defrauded investor is Theranos. All right. And that we've discussed that at nauseum. We know, we know how that story went. That's an investor. Again, that's like barely an investor. A defrauded investor is not some gambling speculator that, like me, went on Coinbase and dumped a million dollars into Coinbase when when Bitcoin was at fifty nine thousand and it drew down to whatever thirty five. So that's not a defrauded investor. You're a gambler and a speculator, and if you don't know the risks, I have no sympathy for you. Okay, so like defrauded investor and stop grave dancing. Spare me, okay? Spare me. I will dance the tango on these graves until the worms eat those bodies while it happens okay so i anyone so i've seen a lot of that holier than thou bullshit about stop with the grave oh, and, and the su- like oh there's suicide threads on reddit okay you're taking anything said on reddit seriously you're a clown and just because you read it on the internet doesn't mean it's real and if you're offing yourself because you lost your life savings in cryptocurrency the world is a better place without you okay and i'll find your grave and dance on it because you should have listened to the show we said this for 70 fucking weeks to not put your money in this shit. On the third episode, Morris said, I cannot tell Cheryl that my cryptocurrency is gone. Okay? And I went in the next day, I pulled my money out so that I didn't have to tell my wife that my million dollar was gone. And that was two years ago. So you're still fucking around in this game. You deserve to lose every God's blessed nickel you have. Oh, man. Step away from, step away from the microphone. <laughs> I got. I just gotta ask it. Did you have an extra cup of coffee, or did you go off? Did you go off your meds? <laughs> uh, I, I I haven't had a chance to vent that that it's that okay. um it's that okay. that feeling. You know, in through in through the nose, right. out through the mouth. Yeah. Um. The, the, the good news, bad news is anyone that's listening to us us by now, they're on our side, right? Hundred I mean, percent. Any of these laser eye guys. Uh, they they wrote, they wrote us off a long time ago. You, you, you know the president of El Salvador who who you know based his nation's you know whole whole entire financial system on Bitcoin. He removed his laser eyes this week. Okay, so when the president of El Salvador, the biggest cheerleader for Bitcoin, takes his laser eyes out, maybe fellas, it's time to take a look in the mirror. Well, it it probably means it's the low because simultaneously, 
I haven't followed through, but I think uh, Dave Rosenberg put out another podcast saying, you know, the bear market's just getting going. And uh, so um, to, to try and. Um, <clears throat> who? Who? Yeah. So now there's two people who live in Canada whose name I won't say. Um, yeah, the first person's name, that's limited to the executive version. And, right. and uh, so just to show you that I'm a man, I'm a, look, I'm a reasonable man, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I actually put some money to work this week. Not, not in the equity market, even though I have sort of tangentially committed to a dollar cost averaging thing. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, but okay. uh, there are two things that I mentioned last week that I've taken a stab at. Now, when you were here with your lovely daughter and we went through a nice walk in the garden and she got to pick the raspberries off the septic field. Um, we didn't, we didn't discuss it, but there's, there's two securities I like. Okay. Not going to talk about which ones. <sighs> that means I'm going to get a million text messages again. Tell me what he said. Did he tell you off air? Tell me what he said. I'll tell you off air, but I, you know, <laughs> I know, it, I it's, know. Un, it's in the circle of trust just Understood. because I, I don't look, I don't care about people front running me. Mm -hmm. I, I learned long ago that the way I trade ain't gonna ain't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. It's just I don't want the thing to go kaboom. Understood. And then and then people look at me like you you what'd you <laughs> right. do to me? But the reason I mention this is because in fixed income, we're starting to see, I think, certain things which are starting to skew the risk reward. Okay. In both instances, um, one yields something around a high fives, low sixes, which is very tax efficient. And then I have something that's completely tax inefficient on a standalone, uh, which yields something well over seven as you know, and I, I, later on in my, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, I will train you personally. You meaning Liam, the rest of you, <laughs> good luck to you. I, I can show you I've structured everything, which is insanely tax efficient. But the long and the short of it is 18 months ago, even with my, you know, Jedi powers, they didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Now... I'm not, I'm not in up to my ankle or my knee, but I, I, I got my foot in. And, uh, so I had a long conversation yesterday with, um, my good friend, Leslie Harris. Now who, who I want to personally thank for putting up with my nonsense. He is an awesome source and sounding board. You've known this for years. Um, oh, yeah. But he, yeah, he is the voice of reason. Um, and I want to thank him personally. Thank you, Leslie, for s dealing with my 114 emails this week of, of mostly nonsense, but he, he has been fantastic. He, uh, he's one of the good ones. Yeah, he, absolutely. He gets a little overzealous when a friend, uh, you know, is, uh, had a little bump in the road with the food. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I had a lot of food to go through and mm -hmm. um, I, I, any more food from Leslie that gets delivered here, I'm just taken down to the Salvation Army because 
Yeah, come on. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. All right. First you, okay. gave, first you gave the bike away. All right. You couldn't give I me the bike. I sold, sold Okay. All right. Well, if, if I can't have the bike, I want the food at least. Christ. I sold the, I sold the specialized for 10 grand. Okay, well, good for you. Well, okay. I, I mean, I let it, you have it for nine five. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, in any event, Leslie and I had a conversation yesterday, and uh, you know, it was sort of like uh, I was giving him my experiences as a life coach, and uh, he was giving me his professional mm-hmm. uh, comments as a certified life coach. I'm just a hack who's been twisted enough and developed yep. my own opinions on things. But I keep coming back. Uh, so I wanted to talk about panic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, Leslie and I discussed this at length. So panic, it's, a, it's an unusual word, right? Because it certainly doesn't mean the same thing for everybody, right? Generally, when it's used by a certain person, they're feeling some element of it, okay? And a few people last week, uh, a few people I know, a few people I saw in the media used the word panic. And now let's go back. I just gave you an example about how securities that have been around a while, you don't really know how they work till they they get stressed. And, and so I tried to explain why the crypto shit is crypto mm-hmm. shit. Okay. Let's go to panic. And um, once again, you can discount it as much as you want for me being an old grumpy guy. Um, but there have been, I want to say four times in my life where I felt legitimate panic. I think one was growing up in a domestic violence situation, which I don't care to share publicly, but uh, that was panic. And uh, I think the remaining three were in the financial markets. Allow me to elaborate on a couple of those. So 1987, I'm 27, excuse me. Yeah, I'm 27 years old. This is October. And I had just changed jobs and gone up to the French grain company uh, to work. I left Aubrey Lanston, a prestigious bond house, to retool myself. And, you know, this was the genesis of that long-winded story about me versus Paul Tudor Jones kind of thing you may recall. And I won't bore you with that one again. Even I'm tired of talking about that. But um, anyway... Uh, Sean, I had saved a little bit of money, not a lot, but probably more than most at that age, but, you know, it wasn't enough to, re- you know, enough to retire on, you know I mean? Like yeah, enough 27. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I did have that ghoulish victory in Chernobyl that mm-hmm. I was shamed by one of the commenters and I have begged forgiveness. I've gone to church and he gave me Said three. You- Three Hail Marys, two Our Fathers, and a Snickers bar. Bingo. <laughs> um, so the stock market's down in October of 1987, some absurd amount. I don't remember the number, 20, 30%, something like that, right? I mean, 
it went out at the low. And the only reason it wasn't a lower was it's like they just ran out of time. <laughs> like it kept going, yep. right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and so I'm sitting around this room where I got a bunch of guys at least eight years older than me that are seeing their net worth wiped out and they're trying to manage positions and they weren't all that friendly to begin with. And okay. So anyway, I go home and I'm feeling a little anxious. And so um, we were living in Kozkov at the time, 78 River Road. I was say, is that, that's Greenwich, is that? Yeah, yeah, wow, well, yeah. Depends. If you're a hedge fund, it's Greenwich. <laughs> that's where the original Fjord Fisheries started, was down at the bottom there, right oh, across I didn't know the, that. Yeah, it was an empty shack, probably full of asbestos, but then they started selling fish out of that. Anyway, um, I said to Cheryl, I'm going to sleep in the, uh, living room because I'm going to get up in the middle of the night, see what's going on in London. And um, so I don't know. I don't know that I ever fell asleep, but like it was like five hour time difference, let's say between London and New York. And so like 830 uh, London time, which is maybe 330 Connecticut time, I start calling London to see what's going on. And the phone that the phones were dead. Wow. That was panic. Yeah. Well, you couldn't. Yeah. Imagine I, you're thinking, I, you're thinking I, what's going on. The world, the world I thought had come to an end. Wow. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe like an hour later, this started working. And I spoke to someone who had like eight seconds to talk to me because it was like, it's just so fucking crazy that I can't tell you anything anyway. Wow. So when I spoke to another human being, it relieved the panic. Sure. Okay. But, but to that me, feeling when you when you're dialing that phone and you're getting no ring and you're getting nothing on the end, that feeling in your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I got that noise like, eh, eh, of like, course. like yep. the fucking nuclear war had started. Yeah. Right? Okay. Wow. So that yep. that was panic to me. Um, another time, and I'm going to use the names now because at this point, legals told me if we get sued, um, uh, it's it will. <laughs> Relate and this will relate to Elon Musk later if I get if we have time. But oh, we're they told there. they told me not to worry about getting sued. Okay. So I was working at a hedge fund, and uh, at sometime between uh, leaving Greenwich and joining Robbie and Fishman mm -hmm. at five fifteen. Okay, and we trade a lot of swaps. And um, one of the things about a swap is. In a lot of respects, they're highly generic or uh, homogenous. Is that yeah, the same? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Okay. But once you enter into a swap, the next day, it is no longer a five-year swap. It's a four-year swap with 363 days to go. Okay. Now it's a bespoke instrument. So typically what people do is if they buy a swap or also known as receive on a swap from JP Morgan, when it goes to time to take it off, most people will call JP Morgan and say, I want to unwind the swap. Would you give me a value? And of course, JP Morgan, like every other swap dealer says, ah, here's my chance to nick this guy on the way out. Okay. Because, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So the more sophisticated guys 
realized that since swaps don't show up on your balance sheet, you can do an unlimited number of these things. Okay. Wow. So what we did, and I don't remember receiver pay, but we did one side of the swap with JP Morgan. And then in 08, when Goldman was like at 56 bucks a share or something like that, in the height of the panic, we went to unwind the swap with JP Morgan. And so I had one of the trade clerks go get an unwind value. And he says, uh, they want us to pay him 350 grand. And I said to the clerk, what's fair value? And he says, fair value is zero. So, so rough numbers, right? Sure. I, yep, what's yep, the difference? Yep. Well, it was yep. 20 years ago. Okay. Got it. Yep. So I said, just call somebody else, ask them for the opposite, right? So if, if I wanted to sell my swap to JP Morgan, call Goldman Sachs and see what they'll pay me for it because they may want it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's this little trick, and this is a legal term called novation. Okay. So basically, if you have a swap on with JP Morgan and you have the exact opposite swap on with Goldman Sachs, exact, right? You can say, I want to novate that swap, which means you come out of the middle and now JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs are. Got it. Okay. So you're gone. The swap sticks around forever. Mm-hmm. And one day it expires. And okay. So anyway, the clerk comes back to me and he gives me a value. And the value wasn't like pay them 350. The value was like pay them 180. Still, you know, anal leakage, but mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy. And so I could tell them it's done. And uh, then I said, we're going to novate that to Goldman. Uh, and, uh, um, uh, to JP Morgan, I said, we're going to innovate this off to Goldman. And JP Morgan said, we're not taking Goldman's name. Wow. At that I, point, yep. At that point in my mind, Goldman Sachs is bankrupt. I remember you saying that. Wow. And, and that's when, what, what, what year you think that is? You said, oh, eight, you said? Yeah. Oh, eight, yeah. oh, nine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Just go back. And see when, like two days before Warren Buffett came in. Wow. Yep. 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 Whenever, whenever that was. Yeah, you can get the and, day. Yeah. Amazing. And, um, you know, were they bankrupt or weren't they bankrupt? I'll leave that for his for historians to decide. But when J.P. Morgan won't take Goldman Sachs's name on a swap unwind, I'm sure they can come up with lots of excuses like we're way too busy mm-hmm. and you should have just done it with us. Yada, yada, yada. But, okay, long story short, MB, panic. Yeah. So you had never experienced anything like that, or that was just out of left feet? Wow. Yeah. Never. So let's come to current day, okay? Um, I guess with the exception of some brief periods of time, if you wanted to get out of your uh, Terra, you, you or your Luna, you may not like the price, but you can get out. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? 
sure. guess is Luna out of business now? Uh, business, you know, it's. A, I mean, it's a, is is there any value to it? I don't know. There's, I, I don't know if it got halted or what. I, I stopped. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's pick an easier one. Uh, uh, Tether. It traded down to ninety-five, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Now it's probably back at par, and Bitcoin's at. I just checked. It's at twenty-eight thousand. Okay. Um, just one man's definition of panic. Panic is when you have a position that's significant to your um, your capital base, and you can't get a price. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other than that. You use the word panic in in old chestnuts uh, lingo, snowflake. Understood. Right. Uh, and uh, and I'm sorry to be such a hard nosed guy about it, but look, you wanna you wanna stick around doing this and be a professional, okay? And and the reason I think I'm so uh, aggressive about these points and. It's a backhanded compliment to myself, which I'm happy to do. But, you know, and I've, the people I've mentioned, whether, who I've mentioned, Mm -hmm. I need to go through the list. They've all been sitting with me during these times and Mm -hmm. me with them, right? Yeah. And we've had positions which were so fucking big, we couldn't get out. And, And I likened it to, being in this barrel rolling downhill, you, you weren't getting out of the barrel until you hit the bottom. Or, you know, when you're wrestling the 800-pound gorilla, you don't stop when you get tired. You get stopped when the 800-pound gorilla gets tired, yeah, right? Yeah. And so if you're panicking with what happened with last week, take a long, hard look. And and here's legitimate advice. And, and this is why I think, you know, I can be a prick. But I think there's a lesson here, which is understand what role you are playing and be clear about your definition. Okay. So I don't know what your positions are. You don't know what my positions are. But I know this, which we have communicated ad nauseum. You're 40. I'm racing age 62. We have two completely different objectives, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I was in contact with you a number of times during the week, and you with me, and I'm certain you have a large percentage of stocks, maybe higher or lower than normal, but and everything went down. So I'm guessing yours went down. I never heard panic from you. Nope. And and I'm guessing it's because you're thinking. You know, I got 20 years and over 20 years. And and I actually asked you, I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Do I want it to go down? Because part of me says, you know, there's way too much froth. It, it, you know, it's, it has to get blown off and I'd rather it happen now and get whacked now than when I'm 65 and I'm about to cash out. So not that I would, you know, not that you can even gauge it in that kind of terms, but I was I woke up every day and looking every night at futures saying, good, whack another 2% off, take another 2% off. And Friday when you got, you know, I I know Friday you you can throw it away. There's a lot of short squeeze and and stuff like that going on. But still, that was a little bit frustrating to me. All right. 
I wanted to see, I want to see it go down, down, down so we can, all the bullshit can get blown away. And like one of your friends said, after the fire goes out, that's when the rejuvenation starts. So I'd rather fast forward to let's, let's get it over with and let's get back to, I I know this word is, is absurd fundamentals. Um, but like you said, that PE ratio, the Schiller PE ratio, when it's all the way up, I want it to get down to the number that you, that you are comfortable with. And until that happens, fine, whack it down. I don't need the money. Now you want to whack 20% off of it. Fine. And at some point I'll start buying back in, you know, but it, no, there's no panic. No. And I'll tell you what, like my father, who's, you know, take his Vanguard fund or whatever it is. The old man's not panicking about things like this. This is just a natural, you know, it's a natural movements in the market and people expected it. Anyone that's paying attention has known that with a Schiller PE ratio of 35 or whatever, it's overvalued. It's, it's all jacked up and it should come down. So panic. Yeah. yeah. Uh well, I'm glad we're a like mind on that because, uh, I, you know, look, as much as there's a handful of people that I, you know, I'll be honest, I love what's happening to a couple of these chuckleheads because they went out telling everyone how smart they were. They went out telling everyone how everyone else didn't know what they were talking about mm-hmm. so let's think about this I, I i keep i keep coming back to this comment that i'm no good in math and finally i'm getting enough people to cry bullshit i'm gonna have to come up with a new meme yeah so let's say i was an average math student because that i can prove with my grades okay mm-hmm. the rest of the stuff is subterfuge but you go back kathy wood was just 35 positions and she was down on 34 of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now in the one she wasn't down on, you can't be down on. It's a money market (laughs) fund. Okay. So this is why I find this so intriguing intellectually. Imagine for a minute you wanted to be wrong a hundred percent of the time. I don't think you can do it. <laughs> it's I hard just, to. I just don't like if I look, I've been doing this a long time. You know, maybe I'm right 54% of the time. Maybe it's 58, maybe it's 52, but maybe the fact that I'm adroit at moving things around, but a hundred percent wrong. I don't, yeah. if that's a pick a standard deviation event. And yeah. and the whole time she's telling everyone, oh, you're you're wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, one of these management things I learned. You know, I, I, I'll re- repeat it, but um, I, for whatever reason, ended up being a manager of traders, along as with being a trader at a, a, a typically early age. And and so I, I'll admit it. You know, when you're 28. And you're telling a 40-year-old he's got to cut his position, you know, I, that that was stressful for me, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and as I said before, I, you know, the first couple of times I got talked out of it, and and uh, consequently, uh, I I just made it very mathematical. Like remember, you're yep. down this much money, uh, you know, you can take it off, or I can take it off, 
It's sort of like when you they tell you, like with a two or three-year-old, do you want to have graham crackers and milk or do you want to have apple juice and a piece of cheese? Not what do you want to eat or yeah. is this okay? Yeah. You give they got to make a choice, right? Give or them choices. The yeah. fame the famous one was, and I won't say which which uh, child it is, and, and maybe this is. Um, I came up with a new disease, and I think I have it. It's called Dementheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, until you have it. So you know, the no, whole... it's, it's a built. It's a. It's, well, I, I sign me up. I can say whatever I want, and then I can forget I said it. <laughs> I don't need to sign you up. You're there, and you just <laughs> yeah. proved it. It's right, like right. you're the guy with the razor, and like yeah. I liked it so much, I started my own podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Maybe I made this up in my mind. I don't care, but the point is still the same. So you have two kids, and there's one piece of cake left. Mm -hmm. So the easy thing to do is one of them cuts it, right? And the other one chooses, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know whether this is one of my kids or not, but one of the kids cuts it. The other one chooses it. And the one that cuts it then spits. Oh. <laughs> wow. It's a tough place to wow. live around here. This wow. is not an easy house. This is not <laughs> I'll show you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how Have you see your, Here's your cake, sis. <laughs> wow. You know how I love quotes, right? Oh, yeah. So. I read this somewhere, and it's attributed to a Navy SEAL. If you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> wow, yeah. So so going back to Elon Musk, mm -hmm. okay. Yep. So um, I, I run the risk of taking a lot of heat for this, and uh, I'm up for it. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked it up. He has Asperger's. Yep. Which is Alleg a Allegedly. Well, he said he has it. Yeah, he also uh, said, I'm going to have a self-driving car. Go on, go on, go on. Fine. Uh, Asperger's is a form of autism, which is a mental illness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how many uh, CEOs run public companies that have a diagnosable mental illness? I mean, look, there's a lot of mental illnesses around, right? You know, mm -hmm. I mean. Uh, the only one that I could think of would be Michael Burry. Didn't Michael Burry have a, I, I don't want to, I, I could be wrong. I thought that he, I don't know if it was Asperger's, but I thought he, he acknowledged having some sort of uh, situation. Maybe anyway, ADD, I, whatever. But, but Michael Burry doesn't run a Fortune 500 company. Right. Yep. Okay. Right, 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 right. Yep, um, yep, yep. So. Here's an example of, and by the way, the listener who wrote in and said, MB, you're right, but it's never going to get fixed. Kudos, chapeau, you're right. But um, there, there's, no, um, there's no real penalty for people doing, this, doing these things. So um, there was a fellow on Bloomberg, uh, Matt something or other, I forget his name, but he basically, he wrote, Elon Musk has made it very clear that the rule of law simply does not apply to him, and this has worked well for him. Um, 
you know, uh, all sorts of things. The rules, if you do not follow them, it doesn't matter because the penalty that you receive is less than you made by following the rules. Okay. Yep. So to bring it home to your favorite and my favorite uh, disc jockey, excuse me, artist, David Solomon. So he was part of the team running Goldman Sachs when they had that one MDB oh, yeah. catastrophe, right? So the year that the shit hit the fan, they docked his pay by a certain amount. Okay. Then the next year, they gave him uh, a love you long time makeup bonus, right? And I saw this week that they just fined Goldman Sachs for $79 million to augment compliance, yada, yada, yada. So you know what's going to fix a lot of this shit? Take Elon Musk, okay? Stick him in jail for six months the board of directors of these firms and say, you know what? Uh, you don't have unlimited protection. You have somewhat limited, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. when you have compelling evidence that there's a problem or that your employee is not devoting his full attention to his job, you're supposed to have a conversation and there needs to be some pushback. And, and so, you know. Instead, they're picking wrong. off that 27-year-old kid at Bank of America that got locked up for spoofing. They sent him to jail, okay? For, I mean, that's a, that's a foot soldier, okay, for, a, for petty crime that, that you described yeah. as being regular practice. Not only regular practice when I did it, keeping in mind, none of my employees ever did anything like that at any time to my knowledge. Okay. Mm -hmm. But by the way, um, these algorithmic traders and the flash boys, that's bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kevin laughed at me a while ago because I had a security in one of my entities. It's called a C Corp. Okay. And I wanted to move it into a limited partnership. And normally you just use a valuation at the end of the day and you can transfer one asset to another entity because it's a fair market value. It's dollar for dollar. But mm -hmm. for whatever reason, you can't take stuff out of a C Corp, yada, yada, yada. So I had to go into the market and I had to sell the security in the market to the C Corp and I had to buy it in the limited partnership. Wow. And it's happened to be one of these securities that I'm trafficking in now, but this was a while ago, but mm -hmm. I'm relatively familiar with the volume of a big day is a hundred thousand shares on a $25 stock. Wow. Okay. So there's days I, I, I can be the volume. I know. Yeah. Not, yeah. not every day in and out, mm -hmm. but I, I can be a lot of the volume. Right. I remember so, you saying that. Yeah. So I would put, an offer in to sell some. And then I would go to my broker at the other place and say, okay, go buy it and figure. And I would just run in and I was, I have the full loaded news feed on my system. So mm -hmm. I see the live quotes. Okay. So I saw 5,000 shares offered 25 bucks. And yep. then I go in to the other broker and I say, 
you know, buy 5,000 shares at 25 bucks. And that's all. And, and, and so I see the offer. I put the bid in. And all of a sudden, uh, the broker says, uh, you bought uh, 5,000 shares at 24.995. So one of these algorithms jumped in front of me, yep. right? Figuring the guy offering at the wow. higher price is by the end of the day going to get frustrated and hit his shitty bid, maybe a penny lower. And on 5,000 shares, a penny, I don't know, was it 50 bucks? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And you do that a million wow. times. Okay. Yeah. So old chestnut, one not wanting to be uh, bamboozled, uh, I waited realizing that by the end of the day, this guy was going to need to cover his position. And I was able to wait to the last minute and I made eight cents because I figured wow. he didn't want to cover the trade overnight. Right. Okay, but yeah. I mean, I probably have half a dozen examples of the front running going on and that, and that, um, is just another example of this. Uh, I'm picking a new word for Gary Gensler this week. Uh, I took a survey and uh, uh, cuckold. Are you familiar with what that term means? Let you me Google it. <laughs> okay. Yep. Now I'm familiar. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the cuckold SEC chairman, Gary Gensler, has all of this shit going on in his watch. And as you subtly, successfully alluded to with Tether, like their correspondent bank, first of all, I don't remember exactly. I'm going to look it up. But the term correspondent bank, that means something. It, it didn't say New York Money Center Bank. Yeah. It didn't say, mm -hmm. you know, yada, yada, mm -hmm. yada. It, mm -hmm. it, it's more of this fucking hair and... and you know, there's the, the J.P. Morgan or someone quote that says, you know, it's like reputation takes a lifetime to build and 30 seconds to destroy. Mm -hmm. uh, look, if it's me, I have Price Waterhouse and three other guys all go in there yep. and say, hey, just fucking do what you got to do and give me a clean audit. And then I can go about my business. But no. And nope. it's just that fucking trust simple. us. Yep. Trust us. The, the well, checks in our mouth. That, yep. <laughs> my, one of my favorite, and, and forgive me, Cheryl, but one of my favorite um, uh, words or jokes is how do you say fuck you in Yiddish? Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Folks, we've run out of time for today's show. Imagine that. Imagine that. Oh, it's so good to see you. And, and uh, your daughter's beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. It was a pleasure right. to come up and see you. I appreciate yeah. you letting me walk around the compound. Oh, um, yeah. 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 You notice uh, all the guards were wearing camo, so they didn't stick I, out. I didn't see them, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> see you next week, pal. Look forward to it. Be well. Cheers.